Welcome, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to Uncouth Conversations, Uncouth Radio. We are here with the Los Angeles Sheriff candidate, Mr. Eric Strong. Eric Strong, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Dan. What's going on, brother? Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. It's been a long time. I haven't got a chance to talk to you. You know, when you become a candidate, you get like super, you know, you get busy. <laughs> we don't get to chat like we used to, but I'm hey, I'm glad it's a good reason that we don't get to chat like we used to because what you're doing is some important work. And I wanted to try to, you know, get you on to bring you to some of the people in the community so some of the people in the community could get to know you. Because as we know, um, the turnout for share votes aren't what they need to be. And a lot of people don't even know that you uh, vote for your sheriffs. So I wanted to do my part and see what we could do to get the word out to let people know that somebody born and raised from our community is actually out running and, you know, give you a chance to give your platform. But before we get into all that, Eric, give me a quick rundown of who you are and where you from so people can understand who Eric Strong is. You know, Dame, I appreciate it. I think, you know, I'm just a regular person. I mean, I was born and raised right here in LA County. Um, you know, moved around a lot, you know, grew up in San Pedro, Carson. Uh, both of my parents lived, I'm sorry, both of my parents worked in Compton for many years. So, I mean, even since before I was born. So I spent a whole lot of my youth growing up in the Compton and just in the LA area in general. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm somebody that's experienced a lot of the things that a lot of our communities are crying out about. You know, I, I've been profiled by police. I've been roughed up by police. I got my family members that have been incarcerated. You know, I've been a victim. Uh, family members have been victims of violent crime. And and I just think uh, I'm somebody that can really, really be in tune with and in touch with what we really need from law enforcement. And I've been doing this law enforcement thing for close to 30 years, you know, and I've worked some of the most uh, uh, busiest, you know, crime ridden, violent uh areas probably in the nation as well as some of the most affluent and, and i think what i can tell you is that i, I kind of bring that 360 degree perspective of what the community really is looking for what we need and what law enforcement you know can offer as well well before we get into any of the questions because i know the biggest question that people always have when it comes to law enforcement um and specifically people who've been on the inside for a long time what can you tell them that will make them feel like they should trust you? You know, I, I think what I would tell them is do your homework, uh, really dig in and do a little bit of research and, and to see uh, what my what my background is. Um, do your homework on the other candidates. Um, I think, you know, what the way we're going to build trust is with any relationship. We got to sit down and talk. You know, we got to sit down and have dialogue and, and we got to earn it. I, I'm not asking anybody to just trust me just because I say, hey, trust me. I mean, the reality of it is we all write our own resumes. You know what I mean? They're always going to sound good. So I want to earn it. I want to have this dialogue. I want to have these discussions and, and I want to show up and I want you to see that I'm just a real person. And then, um, you know, I got to perform. You know, I got to I got to be where I say I'm going to be. I got to do what I say I'm going to do. Just just like in any relationship. Uh, that's how you earn that trust. Okay. Okay. I can dig it. I can dig it. And I know you said, you know, you've been in law enforcement for 30 years. Cause you just give us a small, like, you know, like a, a small snapshot of, of what, you know, what you've done in law enforcement and even how you decided to get into law enforcement. Yeah. You know, I, I think I've done just about everything. I, I try to do as much as I can. Um, I didn't really want to be a police officer growing up. Uh, I, I wanted to get into the legal field. I wanted to be a lawyer. So my mom, she was a court clerk. Uh, for like 37 years. 
Uh, my dad was a police officer, you know, and so, you know, growing up, I didn't want nothing to do with what my dad was doing. I wanted to do something different. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I I got this job for a law firm and and I was inside and, and I was really kind of seeing what, what a lot of the lawyers do. Um, you know, and I was growing up, I, I didn't know which direction I really wanted to go in. And I wanted to be close to the law because I felt like that's where I spent a lot of my time you know, with my mom and my dad, either in the courthouse or at the police station or something. So I just okay. wanted to um, be close to it. I, I kind of figured I was going to do it for like a little bit of time uh, to get it out of my system. And then I figured I was going to go on and do something else later. But I got into it and I, I never looked back. Uh, I have done just about everything. I mean, I've worked patrol. I've worked in Compton. I've worked uh, gangs. I've been an FTO. I was on a SWAT team. Uh, I worked youth programs for many years. I taught the D.A.R.E., the SANE, the Get Real About Violence programs. I worked at the Linux Youth Center for many years, bringing programs and 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 writing grants and, and doing the PAL program. I uh, worked several stations. I uh, worked internal affairs for several years and, and did quite a few uh, big cases. I, I, I investigated some force and shooting cases. I investigated some deputy gang cases. Um, Worked in the custody environment, worked in courts, uh, worked in risk management, which is basically an analysis on the inside of what what causes risk and what are the weaknesses and, and strengths of the department. I was a unit commander of our advocacy bureau, which oversees five uh, county council attorneys. And what we do is we basically analyze everything that comes to the department, be it um uses of force, be it policy of equality, which is our sexual harassment, hostile work environment stuff, which is shootings, um, you name it, we we analyze it. And then I was unit commander of our audit accountability bureau as well, which did the internal performance reviews, uh, which was actually very interesting because it really, really gives you a, a, an in-depth view of what the internal workings of the department were. And I know we've talked about that a little bit. We can probably get into that a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why I kind of want to give people the background. Um, and me and you have talked about some of the internal workings. We have talked about what we feel like are the community problems, but also what we feel like are the problems on uh, the inside with hiring practices. And and, and with that being said, um, let's let's start a little easy and rev up to, to the craziness, because, you know, you know, what I'm saying there's a lot to, to, to break down. I know you got an event tonight so we want to get you in and out of here and uh, do you want to talk about the event tonight that you're doing you know really what i'm doing out there i'm doing a lot of meet and greets uh you know i'm asking people to bring their their circle their network to um you know to to amplify really so it's an event that you know uh, some friends of mine or some people that i know have, have connected and it's going to be kind of a semi fundraiser meet and greet where we kind of just, you know, sit there and get the message out. And honestly, this campaign thing is it, you know, you, you got to ask for money. I mean, you know, the, the, the way you get, the way you win is you get voters. The way you get voters is through exposure. You know, the way you get exposure is through, you know, things like this with what you're doing and through, you know, radio, television, you know, print ads and these kind of things and all that stuff costs money. So it's, it's, uh, combination of fundraising and amplification well speaking of fundraising and amplification let's do it right now um tell us where we can uh you know donate if we want to donate to your cause so go to strong sheriff.com s-t-r-o-n-g the number four sheriff 
dot com is my website. There's a, there's a donate uh, link on there. You can click right on the button. You'll get a lot of information on there. You'll see who some of my endorsements are, which has uh, needs to be updated. You'll see some of my priorities and policies in there as well. Um, but the reality of it is go in there and, and, and take a look at me. And, you know, you know, just that 20, 30, 40 dollar donation in masses is what really, really makes a big deal. And, and you mentioned it early on in the introduction. A lot of people don't even realize uh, aren't educated on the fact that this is a campaign and, and, and that hey, they have they have a say. They have a vote in it. Yeah, and absolutely. We want to make sure that our people, you know, start to get more involved in the local politics and, and and the civil part of it so we can start to make change directly in our community. And hopefully we can get that to go to a national level. But we can't do the things we need to do on a national level if we not even taking part in the stuff in our local community. So I just want to make sure we bring some light to this uh, the sheriff race, the sheriff run. Um, OK, so what's your philosophy on policing and, and crime prevention? You know, I, I think it, the, the community and law enforcement have to work hand in hand. You know, my philosophy, excuse me, on policing is that we need to be out there. We need to know the community that we work in. We need to know the people that we come in contact with. The only time we come in contact pe with people cannot just be, uh, you know, when it's negative, when we're coming into your home because you did something wrong. And the only time also shouldn't be when you're a victim. You know, when I first came on back in 93, somebody told me, said, Eric, you know, this is a 365, 24-7 operation. If you're working on Thanksgiving and somebody in your community that you're working on does not invite you over or at least say, come by and pick up a plate, you know, you're doing something wrong. You know, people in your community, especially when they know you're out there on holidays, you know, on Easter Sunday when you're out there working, if you are doing the right thing, you know, people will know you and they'll know who you are. And that's what I've always kind of uh, built my 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 interaction with people on. So you know, it, it takes both. You know, it really does. It takes um, it takes community engagement uh, from us as law enforcement, but it takes, you know, community people be willing to, you know, open up their ears and open up their minds to have conversation with us. But I think where we are right now, my philosophy is this. As law enforcement, we have to go out there. We have to create the engagement. We have to take the initiative. We got to go and just say, hey, we're sorry. We're sorry for where we are right now. We have to take responsibility for it. We have to take ownership, look in the mirror. Um, and, and I think at that point, that's how we start building those relationships. And, um, you know, they're, they're, let's face it, there's evil in the world. There's people that do bad things. Um, does does uh you know homelessness and mental health issues and addiction need to be criminalized no but there are people out there doing bad things and we need somebody that is going to you know be the protectors of society but we have to look at it as if you know we, we can't have this us versus them mentality we have to look at it as we're all one we're all part of the same community and i think that's a problem that we're having in law enforcement especially in some of our black and brown communities Appreciate that answer. Um, so, you know, one of the things that's been coming out a lot in the news lately, and I, you know, I follow your um, your your candidacy page as well too. So I read the the bulletins and, and the briefings that you send out. But one of the big things that's been in the headlines lately has been the the sheriff gangs. So, if you are elected, elected, how do you plan on dealing with that particular issue? Well, you know, Dame, that, that's a great question because, you know, here's the thing. 
we got a sheriff right now that that refuses to acknowledge that they even exist. You know, we have other candidates that have been part of the problem and had seats at the table for a very long time, high seats, uh, and they didn't do anything about it then. But they're all coming out and saying, oh, you know, I'm going to do thing, something about it now. I'm the only candidate that's actually done an investigation and investigated some of these deputy gangs. Uh, so you won't get anything short of me saying, yes, they exist. Yes, they're out there. Yes, they're you know violating the public trust. And and no, we will not tolerate it any longer. Uh, when you look at the policies that are that, that have been written by the current sheriff, uh, they have no teeth. They have no bite they're, they're They kind of dance around uh, the real issue and it doesn't really address it. So, uh, number one, first thing we got to do is acknowledge it and say it exists. And, like, you know, then we got to speak against it. See, it's never really been spoken against in the department. You know, it's always been, well, you know, don't put that logo on the T-shirt because it's going to make us look bad. Um, you know, don't don't do this. Don't do that. But they've never, ever emphatically came in and said, hey, let's stop it. So I don't need any more reports. I don't need another panel. I don't need a commission. I don't need anybody else to come and tell me, hey, you know what? Uh, let's investigate this to see if they're here. They are here. Uh, number one is, you know, we have office uh, uh, inspector general that wants to conduct an investigation. I work in conjunction with them. You know what I mean? I, I, I comply with their request. I, I open the doors. I, I give them the documents that they want. I think that would probably be the best way to do it right now. You have outside entities, be it the DOJ, the FBI, the OIG that wants to do these investigations. Uh, I say go forth, you know, um, and I think that's too how we kind of build that trust. And I, and I say, what do you need from me to, to help facilitate that? Uh, and, and then, you know, from there, we have other disciplinary options that we can use. We have other administrative options that we can use uh, to get people that are, are in these nefarious groups that are that are violating the public trust out of the communities uh, so that they're not, you know, creating that harm anymore. And speaking of community, you know, um, I, I want to know how how would you engage with community organizers? Because I know you spoke about that a little earlier about, yo, it's got to be something that we do in conjunction with each other. And, and I totally agree. And if you want to build that trust, then you will probably have to engage with the correct community organizer. So how would you engage them and how would you get boosts on the ground and make sure that us, the community organizers, have a voice when it comes to what's going on in the department, when it comes to, you know, what's going on with you guys and us knowing what's happening as, you know, as your term goes? Yeah. So there's so many different communities out there. Uh, we need representation from them all. Uh, and one of the things that I want to do is I want to build uh, civilian or community advisory committees at every station level. So, you know, we have the Civilian uh, Oversight Commission, right, uh, which is a county appointed thing. Uh, I, I think we need that at, at every station because uh, people in San Dimas, the residents, which is one of our stations at, at the foothills of the mountains, you know what they need, what their issues are. Uh, what their concerns are, are different than what, you know, uh, they might need in West Hollywood Station, you know, and, and what the residents and community members at Malibu Lost Hills, what they need and what their concerns are, are far different than what, you know, people in Compton need and are looking for. So we, we need to have that personalized stakeholder uh, community at every individual location and station. And we need to open up our doors because one of the things what I think it really looks like is this. At Compton Station, we will get some citizen complaints, right? Those complaints may be different than what we get at Cerrito Station. So we need people 
stakeholders, community engagers, community organizers, community leaders like yourself in these various stations that say, hey, look, this is the complaint. We want to follow it through this process. We want to see what you're doing. We want to see how you're you're coming to the conclusions that you're coming on. And so I want people, you know, to bring I, I want to bring people to the to the table so that they can be part of the decision making process, if that makes sense. If it's a use of force, if it's a complaint, you know, you got to know our policies. You know, when, when you file a complaint and I know we've talked about this day, if you don't know what our policies are and all we do is come to you and tell you, hey, well, we, we investigated your complaint and um, we took the appropriate action, but they tell you nothing else. You know, how do you really know if they violated the policy, if they were disciplined if, or, or if, if it was just swept under the rug? You don't. So we got to open up our doors uh, and, and again, build that trust, allow people in. So that's going to be a, a big thing with the with the outreach. I mean, we have the Persian community. We got the LGBTQ plus community. We got uh, the Hispanic Latino community. We got the black community. We got the Jewish community. Uh, we got we got the Asian community. I mean, we need representation from them all. And 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 at some point, what I would really like to do is have these individual groups, stakeholders uh, at the table, but maybe semi-annually, I'm thinking is kind of one of my plans. We bring them all together at one time and, you know, twice a year for a big meeting where we can all sit down and engage together. Man, that that's something that's severely lacking, you know, that community engagement. So I appreciate that. And like I said, we'll do what we can to make sure that we start to get those people involved as well, because it is very important that we are part of the process. We want to be part of, like you said, seeing complaints all the way through, having some accountability from the community side, um, because I think that is very important when it comes to trying to clean up these messes, uh, when it comes to trying to build trust. I think all of those things are are very important. Um, and let me just say this, there, throw this in there is that yeah, go there's, ahead. No, there's no reason why we can't have that. You know, uh, a law enforcement hides behind, well, it's an open investigation. Law enforcement hides behind, well, it's for public safety. Uh, and like I said, I've been doing this 30 years. There are some instances where, where people are protected by legislation. And there are some instances where, you know, public safety is a concern. But for the most part, uh, there's no reason why we can't, you know, open these doors and, and allow the systems that are already there. We're, we already have oversight that's supposed to be there, you know, but but we're fighting against it. And I won't say we, but we have the department and the sheriff who, who are fighting against it every step. So I, I don't want to get on that because I can get, but I mean, honestly, is there's no reason why we can't have that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And speaking of that, what type of system would you try to have in place? What kind of safeguards would you have to protect deputies and officers from retaliation if they do want to report discrimination from the inside, if they do want to talk about misconduct? Because as we know, a lot of officers who have made reports, the, as we say, the good ones who tried to step forward and tried to report other officers, you know, that thin blue line come after them and they end up, you know, they end up the ones being disciplined or fired or losing their job or just blackballed. So so what safeguards would you do in put in place as the sheriff to make sure that there are protections and that those things don't happen and that cronyism doesn't continue? Well, to be honest with you, there there are safeguards already in place. We have policies and, and that's where it really comes down to the leadership and the actual leader of the department. Um, we have retaliation policies to protect employees, but if the leader 
doesn't believe in it. And if what you're reporting is about the leader and his cronies, and we have all this cronyism, then they're going to take um, very strong steps to protect themselves from that. So what we do is we it's it's all about the messaging. The message on the inside has never, ever, ever been as long as I've been on this department. And my wife has been on this department even longer than I have. It has never been. If you see something wrong, you come report it. You know what it's always been is if you see something wrong, hey, how do you hurry up and fix it? And they may not come out and say that. You know what I mean? They may not come out and say, hey, don't report anything bad. Uh, just cover it up. They're never going to say that. But the but the the messaging that comes from, as you just said, they get blackballed. They get blacklisted. They the ones that get retaliated against. That's messaging. That's telling somebody don't do the right thing, because if you do, you're going to be the one that, that's on the outs. You're going to be the one that's ostracized. So we have to we have to move that 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 pendulum back to the other side and say, no, look, do the right thing. And you will be recognized. You will be rewarded. You will be acknowledged for doing the right thing. And then those that do the wrong thing. And if you find out about anybody trying to do some retaliation, you have some very strong accountability for it. But there are some other policies that I will be working on that will um, that will encourage and make it okay to report the misconduct. And honestly, it really comes down to somebody just saying it's okay to do it. You know, it's not the policy. It's the practice that is 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 creating a retaliation in the blacklisting y'all hear that folks it comes down to leadership it comes down to leadership so make sure you get out and vote because if you want the leadership to change and you want these policies to be enacted then you need to put somebody in there who's not afraid to enact these policies so you touched on uh briefly you touched on talking about um you don't think homelessness should be you know criminalized so 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 what would be and i know this is a huge problem for us um in in the county right now so what would be something and of course i know you're not gonna be able to cure homelessness as the sheriff by yourself but, but what would be something that you think you could do to um, help decriminalize homelessness well you know i i think what happens is people don't have anybody else to call on uh like i mentioned earlier we're, we're the 365 24 7 operation you know and and when you want somebody to handle a problem oftentimes the first phone they pick up and they call 911. so uh when dealing with the unhoused we're dealing with the you know the homeless i don't even think we should be the the, the initial point of contact uh we need services out there uh you know there's there's so many different um varieties or demographics to even being homeless there there are people that have mental health issues there are people who have fallen on hard times and they have their whole family out there there are people suffering from addiction you know there's people that want to be homeless that are that are out there by choice so you know we can't just put a blanket over everything and say hey here's a solution you know but what i do think we need to do is is work with stakeholders and and collaborators and advocates that have the resources that are going to reduce the recidivism of the homelessness. So if there's people out there that have mental health issues, you know, uh, we're not going to find our solution to that in a jail cell. You know, people out there with addiction issues, we're not going to find our solution to that in a jail cell. I mean, we've been doing that for years, for decades, and it's not working. So we need to do something different. You know, families that have fallen on hard times, you know, uh, that's not going to, that's not a law enforcement fix. Uh, people that are unhoused need protection. Oftentimes people, you know, want, want law enforcement to come in and secure the public uh, public land and and to protect them from the unhoused. But, you know, there are predators out there that 
that you know uh that feed off of those that are they're out there and homeless so uh it's a two-way street i think what law enforcement really needs to do is 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 take a step back and be there as a a support when we can but we're not going to find anything sustainable we're not going to find anything other than a revolving door like we've always had if we're the only people out there addressing it and and we're the point of contact that initial point of contact so uh that's why i support and i'm the only candidate supported not building a new jail um because i think we need we need beds for services more than we need beds for sales and and i think if we do that I mean, I, I think we're going to increase uh, jobs. We're going to increase union because, you know, if we're providing health care services, um, you know, if we're providing mental health services, if we're providing social services, you know, those are jobs. Right. And, you know, they're, they're, they may not be jobs going towards law enforcement, but they're jobs going towards, you know, sustainable solutions. So there's a lot to be addressed. And like you said, this is not going to be an overnight fix, not not in the least bit. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm I'm kind of glad you brought that up as well. Um, bringing up the no no need you don't want to um, open a new jail. And you said you, you know, and I know you said I know your um, opponents have been talking about if you close down the jail, they they basically fear mongering, right? Telling us they're gonna let all the violent criminals back out on the streets. Talk to me about that, and talk to me about why you are different on the issue than your opponents in regards to um, incarceration. Yeah, you know, like I said earlier, there there's evil people in the world. I mean, you know, uh, it, th- there's just a reality of it. So, you know, the sheriff and other people will have you believe that, oh, if we close the jail because Men's Central Jail is where some of our 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 uh, violent, you know, felons are being housed, that if we close that jail, we got to let those people out, right? If we close that jail, we're going to lose all these jobs, and it's just simply not true. Um, we do need to have a plan, a transition plan for uh, how to house, you know, uh, people that need to be in jail, uh, in jail. And we can do that and we can move personnel. We can move places. We have empty cells. We have the largest jail system in the county. And, and it's and it's not I'm sorry, in the nation, we have the largest jail system in the nation. And and it's not this overly populated thing. But. Our jail system is also the largest mental health hospital. So something's wrong with that. You know what I mean? I mean, so there's a lot of people that are in jail because of a mental health issue. I mean, and whatever crime that landed them in jail, would they have been there had it not been there for their mental health issues? So what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know, we need to solve that problem. So, no, there, there's got to be a plan towards transition. Uh, it can be done. Uh, you know, like I said, if we close the jail, it has to go in phases. Uh, employees will be moved to other assignments. We're not going to just automatically lose those things. And we're not going to just let out, you know, our, our our child molesters and our predators and our murderers. No, we're not going to just let those people out in into the world and into the street uh, to create things. You know, will it be a process of maybe having to release uh, some inmates? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, but again, there needs to be a transition. And all we're doing, all what we're seeing right now is a sheriff that just wants to sue the county, that wants to fight against it rather than working towards a solution for it. And, and that's what you'll get with me as somebody that's saying, hey, you know what? I don't agree with everything, but, you know, we got to we got to have some give and take here. We got to work towards solutions. 
Appreciate that. Um, so from from your point of view, um, what is the overall morale in, in the sheriff's department right now? Ooh, man, uh, it's bad. You know, it's bad. It's low. Uh, you you have a lot of people and that have been on for a long time in the upper ranks that are seeing the cronyism and the nepotism and the failures of our sheriff that are just trying to lay low long enough to get their time in and just like, you know, sell off, you know, into the sunset. You know, they just want to get to their retirement age and, and be done with it, which is sad because that's a lot of uh, tenure and experience. Uh, you have a lot of the young deputies. Uh, again, you know, like I said, we see it in the news. You have some that are just, you know, rah, 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 jumping on, you know, Villanueva's bandwagon. Um, and then you have a lot of them, too, that are seeing the harm that he's causing, you know, to them. The fact that, uh, you know, when you're at war with the board of supervisors, when you, you know, when you're at war and you're constantly insulting and, and, and demeaning the very people that hold your purse strings, that has an impact on the deputies on the inside. You know, he's fought against this vaccination mandate. If you look at like LAPD, which is comparable in size, right? Their vaccination rates were up around like probably 90%. You know, countywide, it's probably in the high 80s. And with the sheriff's department, it's below 60%. And again, what does that come from? That comes from leadership. It comes from the messaging. You know, you got a lot of deputies that were saying, well, hey, we're fine. We don't have to do anything. The sheriff is going to protect us. He's not going to discipline us. And now they're looking at it, looking at the board of supervisors decisions. And they're like, wait a minute. I thought this guy had our back. I thought he was going to protect us, you know, but had they listened to the right people, had they really just kind of paid attention, we learned from Carl Mandoyan, the sheriff fought so hard to get this one guy back. He says, I'm going to give him a badge. I'm going to give him a gun. I'm going to give him a job assignment. I'm the sheriff. I get to do that. Board of supervisors said, okay, go right ahead, but he's not going to get paid. So who really has the authority there? You know, right. so the sheriff says, hey, I'm not going to discipline you if you don't get vaccinated. But in essence, he really was supporting the vaccine mandate on the inside. But he said, I'm not going to discipline you. And the county said, OK, you don't have to discipline them because they're not going to get paid. They're not going to have a job anymore. So um, it's very divided on the inside. Uh, there's a lot of people that are feeling very, very um I want to say kind of disinterested and just kind of going out there and doing the things that they should be doing. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it's a mess and I've never seen it like this before. And like I said, the people that I know that have even been around even longer than I have, uh, haven't seen it as bad as this either. Wow. So, so speaking of which, um, what has been your support? Because you're kind of a radical uh, candidate in, in the, in the sense that you're, you're taking the position that, people usually wouldn't take because you're not doing the go along to get along campaign, right? You're not doing the usual tough on crime, you know, uh, you're not doing the usual campaign for sheriff and and you're not mirroring your opponents or villain away, but you guys don't, you know, fall in line really. So what is your support like from inside the department or, or even from other uh, places of law enforcement? You know, surprisingly, I, I think I have a lot of support. Uh, you know, I was kind of surprised when we did our ALADS and uh, PPOA uh, candidate forum. You know, I, I kind of stayed true, not kind of, but I did. I stayed true, you know, to my answers. And, um, and in some cases, I was the only candidate, you know, speaking out against what everybody else was saying. And I really think, Dame, that people that know me 
know that I'm not just this blanket person that's just going to go throw a blanket over everything. We're going to address the issues and we're going to do what's right for each individual issue. So, you know, because I say, uh, for example, we don't need a new men's central jail. We don't need to build a new jail. That doesn't mean I also want to be, you know, um, soft on crime. Uh, because I say um, something that supports community doesn't necessarily mean that I'm against, you know, law enforcement. So I think they realize that. I mean, it, it's one of those things where people know me and, and I've built credibility and I take the time to have conversations with them. Uh, I just did a training a few weeks ago where, you know, 60 deputies are in there and, you know, you, you got 50% of them saying one thing, 50% of them saying another thing. And I said, Hey, let's, let's take the time to kind of peel this onion layer back a little bit and, and let's really look at it. And, and I think what people are really seeing is that here's a person that has done the job, you know, he's done it for a long time. Uh, he's always treated us all well. He's always treated us with respect, which I've always tried to do. And is what he's saying really all that bad? And I really think there's a lot of law enforcement out there that are saying, look, it's just kind of time for change. You know, we, we need somebody to, to go and speak on it, but they're fearful because they don't want to be the ones ostracized on the inside. And especially when your top leadership is the one creating that that division, you know, they're they're torn. They don't know what to do. So I honestly feel like I have a lot of support. And it's just like that movie, you know, where you got the big bully in the crowd and one person steps up and then another person steps up. And the next thing you know, the whole town is stepping up against the bully that's been that's been running the town for years. Uh, it, it just really is going to take that one person to get out there and just say, hey, let's just do things right. How, how hard is that? Let's just do it right. And I think, you know, over time, uh, you you number one, you have a lot of people out there right now ready for that. Uh, but over time, you know, people will be more comfortable and say, hey, you know what? I can get behind this. Appreciate that. Um, so I want to ask you, too. Um, many cases go unsolved in our community. You know, I'm my cousin being one of them, my cousin was killed and we call the sheriffs all the time and try to get information, talk to the detectives. And, you know, I know it's not an easy thing, especially when you talk about the lack of trust within the community, because now the community is no longer talking to the sheriffs, you know, um, and, and you have all of these type of things. So so what would be your plan of action for trying to get more of these cases solved and, and get the community more involved? Well, we have to have people that care about the community working on the cases, you know, and that's that's a big thing we have to have. Again, and it comes down to the leadership and the messaging. Uh, you know, I can tell you that. And, and you know, I know a lot of people, especially if there's people out there from LAPD or even our sheriff's department don't want to hear this. But, you know, we, we had a, a young officer, uh, Arroyos, get killed not too long ago off duty with his girlfriend. Um, she wasn't killed, but he was. Uh, and it was in the news. And if you really look at it, I think in three or four days, we had five people in custody. Mm -hmm. And within about a week after that, we had a case filed completely, you know, filed with the federal government, you know, through the FBI and the DOJ. What did that demonstrate to people? It, it demonstrated what we're capable of. It demonstrated that, you know, we have the resources to solve these crimes. And, and as, and as heart wrenching as it is, look, this guy was a police officer. He was off duty. Was he any more important than your cousin, though? 
Right. You know, and and and, and law enforcement is going to say, what the, you know, WTF, why, you know, how dare you say that? Well, hey, I'm sorry, but the reality of it is, is because of his job, was he more important? Should we put more resources behind him than somebody else? Uh, you know, so uh, we have the resources out there. Uh, we need to properly uh, utilize them. And we need people that are going to, again, it's going to come down to that accountability. And we need people that care about solving crimes in every community, not just some community. Appreciate that. And for my final question, um, so far, police reform has not been successful. It's been very ineffective, um, even with all the different measures, the things they voted on. They tried to defund the police and all these things, but I still feel like we haven't got down to the nitty gritty of actual police reform and change. So, so what 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 makes your plan a more effective approach? Tell the people why you think your plan will be effective in regards to reform for the sheriff's department. Well, I, I think what we've been doing is we just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Um, we have people showing up and saying what everybody wants to hear. And you talked about, it. I mean, the sheriff is an elected position. So everybody is looking at our current sheriff and he built his platform on reform, rebuild. You know, he, he said he was going to do all these things, but nobody really stopped and said, well, what are you going to reform us to? I mean, you, you kind of took us backwards. You know, I mean, you, you reforming it back to your glory days when, you know, when you thought everything was great. Um so I, I think what we keep doing is we keep looking at um, the same criteria. We're doing the same thing over and over again. And, and where that's important is because we haven't had anybody actually from the community about the community that really truly wants to do what's best for the community. And, and I think we need to stop looking at the ranks and the titles and, and, and the years, and we need to look for the strongest, best all around candidate. And, and, you know, the sheriff's department is just one agency. It really is. It's just one agency in in, in L.A. County of, of over 50. Uh, and I think when you really look at, at reform with chiefs of police, they're appointed. You know, they are appointed. So therefore, once again, they kind of have to follow the lead of what the city management says, the city manager, the city government, the mayor, the board. You know, they, they, they kind of are beholden to them and what their philosophies are, because, again, they're appointed and they can be removed oftentimes. So what makes me a little bit different is I, I'm, I'm going to speak, you know, specifics and uh, I'm going to invite you, you know, my family, my friends, the community and to hold me accountable. You know, and, and the reality of it is I know this is not going to be an overnight fix, uh, but we have to start taking steps uh, towards. The, the the reform and the changes that we want and and i think once we start taking those steps uh you know I, I i don't know really i can't speak to what everybody else's uh philosophy is but what i can speak to is i can say this look what we've been doing is not working you know in 1991 you know uh we had uh rodney king right in 2021 30 year anniversary can we really say things have changed uh, and, and I'm going to say in a lot of ways, no, they haven't. Uh, we have new technology. We have new cameras. Uh, you know, we, we've got new new equipment and so forth. But has the mindset of law enforcement really changed? And I, I don't think it has in a lot of ways. 
Appreciate that, man. Um, I really want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for coming on and, and sitting with us and giving the people a chance to answer, you know, because these were all specific questions from other people in the community who, who wanted to know, you know, who you were, what you had going on, how you plan on doing it. Um, and I think the biggest proponent and one of the biggest things we've learned today is that you want to invite the community in to help hold the uh, sheriffs accountable to make sure we get the reform that we need. But that means we have to be involved as well. If we want the reform, we have to be a part of it. But if you are the leader, that means we will have somebody who will actually invite us in to, you know, to have that accountability and to have that that voice. So um, I just want to say thank you again. Um, if there's anything you want to tell the people before you go, um, I got your, your website, strongforsheriff.com. If anybody wants to go and donate, um, tell the people when they can vote. You know, the, and that's so thank you. First of all, Dame, you know, I appreciate it. I always, I always like, you know, uh, having this engagement with you because, you know, it helps keep it real, uh, uncouth, as you say. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is people need to understand that they have a vote in this. You know, this is uh, an elected position. It's not just an appointed chief of police with the sheriff. And, and you know, you need to get out there. And if even if you don't say who you do want, at least say who you don't want. You know, uh, be deliberate in these conversations. Uh, initiate the conversation. You know, don't just wait for somebody else to initiate it, but initiate the conversation and talk about it. Encourage our young people. Encourage our, our people to go out there and, and be registered. Um, and to be involved in these local politics. Everybody wants to show up for the presidential election and anything going on there. But we need to show up, you know, for these for these other local elections. And I mean, law enforcement is a big thing. You know what I mean? It, it really is. So um, you'll probably be getting everybody will be getting a, a mail in ballots end of April, first week of May. Uh, do your homework. Uh, if you don't mail it in, go to the polls on June 7th. Uh, go and vote. I'm going to ask that you go and vote for strong, you know, uh, uh, if you want some strong change and if you want the strongest all around candidate. And um, the other thing that pushes these campaigns forward, the only way it keeps us going are those donations. So uh, anybody, like I said, just post it on your Facebook, post it on your Instagram, uh, help amplify this message to get it out so we can uh, do some good things for our communities. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Sheriff Candidate Eric, Eric Strong, strongforsheriff.com. If you would like to donate, appreciate the time. And, you know, hopefully we get to talk to you when you're the sheriff. Absolutely. You know, you will, Dame. You can always call me, man. Anytime. Appreciate and I appreciate it. you. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Uncool Conversations, Uncool Radio. We out. We will be back at 6, uh, 6.30 p.m. for our regular show. Y'all know we got a lot to talk about tonight. So I'll see y'all in a bit. <laughs>